Brief Interview Number 58, 498, Harold R. and Phyllis N. Engman Institute for Continuing Care, East Chester, New York. As a child, I watched a great deal of American television. No matter where my father was being posted, it seemed always that American television was available, with its glorious and powerful women performers. Perhaps this was one more advantage of the importance of my father's work to the defense of the state, for we had privileges and lived comfortably. The television program I most preferred then was to watch Bewitched, featuring the American performer Elizabeth Montgomery. It was as a child, while watching this television program, that I experienced my first erotic sensation. It was not for several years, until my late and my adolescence, that I was able, however, to trace my sensations and fantasies backwards to these episodes of Bewitched, and my experiences as the viewer, when the protagonist, Elizabeth Montgomery, would perform a circular motion with her hand, accompanied by the sound of a zither or harp, and produce a supernatural effect in which all motion ceased, and all the television program's other characters suddenly were frozen in mid-gesture and were oblivious and rigid, lacking all animation. In these instances, time itself appeared to cease, leaving Elizabeth Montgomery free alone to maneuver at her will. Elizabeth Montgomery employed this circular gesture within the program only as a desperate resort to help save her industrialist husband, Darren, from the political disasters which would come if she were exposed as a sorcerer, a frequent threat in episodes. The program of Bewitched was poorly dubbed, and many details of the narrative I, at my age, did not understand. Yet my fascinations were attached to this great power to freeze the time of the program in its tracks, and to render all the other witnesses frozen and oblivious while she went about her rescuing tactics among living statues whom she could again reanimate with circular gesture when the circumstances called for it. Years later, I began, like many adolescent boys, to masturbate, creating erotic fantasies of my own construction in my imagination as I did so. I was a weak, unathletic, and somewhat sickly adolescent, a scholarly and dreamy youth, more like my father, and of nervous constitution, little confidence, or social outgoingness in those years. It is little wonder that I sought compensation for these weaknesses in the erotic fantasies in which I possessed supernatural power over the women of my choosing in these fantasies. Linked heavily to this childhood program of Bewitched, these masturbation fantasies connected to this television program were unknown to me. I had forgotten this, yet... I learned too well the insupportable responsibilities which come along with power, responsibilities whose awesomeness I have since learned to decline in my adult life since arriving here, which is a story for another time. These masturbation fantasies took their settings from the setting of our actual existence during these times, which were located at many different military posts to which my father, a great mathematician, brought us, his family, along. My brother and I, separated in age by less than one year, were nevertheless dissimilar in most things. Often, my masturbation fantasies took their setting from the state exercise facility, which my mother, a former competitive athlete in youth, religiously attended, exercising enthusiastically each afternoon, no matter of where my father's duties brought us to live for that time. Willingly accompanying her to these facilities on most afternoons of our lives was my brother, an athletic and vigorous person, 
and often myself as well, at first with reluctance and direct force, and then, as my erotic reveries set there evolved and became more complex and powerful, with a willingness born of reason of my own. By custom, I was permitted to bring my science books, and sat reading quietly upon a padded bench in the corner of the state exercise facility while my brother and mother performed their exercises. For purposes of envisioning, you may imagine these state exercise facilities as your national health spa of today, although the equipment used there was less varied than maintained, and an air of heightened security and seriousness was due to the military posts to which the facilities were attached for the uses of personnel and the athletic clothing of the women of the state exercise facility was very different from today, constituting full suits of canvas with belts and straps of leather not unlike this, which was far less revealing than today's exercise clothing and leaving more to the mind's eye. Now, I will describe the fantasies which evolve at these facilities as a youth and became my masturbation fantasies of those years. You are not offended by this word, masturbate? Q. And this is an adequate pronunciation of it. Q. In the fantasies which I am describing, I would envision myself on such an afternoon at the state exercise facility, and, as I masturbated, I envisioned myself gazing out across the floor of vigorous exercises to let my gaze fall upon an attractive, sensual, but vigorous and athletic, and so highly concentrated on her exercises as to appear unfriendly woman, often resembling many of the attractive, vigorous, humorless young women of the military or civilian atomic engineering services who possessed access to these facilities and exercised with the same foreboding seriousness and intensity as my brother and mother, who spent long periods of their time often hurling a leather medicine ball between them with extreme force. But in my masturbation fantasy... The supernatural power of my gaze would rattle the chosen woman's attention, and she would look up from her piece of exercise equipment, gazing around the facility for the source of the irresistible erotic power which had penetrated her consciousness. Finally, her gaze locating me in my corner across the actively filled room, such that the object of my gaze and I locked both eyes in a gaze of strong erotic attraction to which the remainder of the vigorously exercised personnel in the room were oblivious. For you see, in the masturbation fantasy, I possessed a supernatural power, a power of the mind of which the origin and mechanics are never elaborated, remaining mysterious even to I who possess the secret power and can employ it at my will a power through which a certain expressive, highly concentrated gaze on my part, directed at the woman who was the object of it, rendered her irresistibly attracted towards me. The sexual component of the fantasy as a masturbate proceeds to depict this woman and myself copulating in variations of sexual frenzy upon an exercise mat in the room center. There is little more to these components of this fantasy, which are sexual and adolescent and, in retrospect, somewhat average. I now realize it. I have not yet explained the origin of the American program of Bewitched of my earlier youth for these fantasies of seduction, nor of the great secondary power which I also possessed in the masturbation fantasy, the supernatural power to hold time and magically freeze all others in the room's exercises in their tracks with a covert circular motion of my hand to cause all motion and activity in the state exercise facility to cease. You must envision these, 
heavily muscled missile officers held motionless beneath the barbell of a lift. Wrestling navigators frozen complexly together. Computer technicians whirling jump ropes frozen into parabolas of all angle and the medicine ball hanging frozen between the outstretched arms of my brother and my mother. They and all other witnesses in the exercise room are rendered with but one gesture of my will petrified and insensate, such that the attractive, bewitched, overpowered woman of my choice and myself only remain animated and aware in this dim wooden room with its odor of liniment and unwashed sweat in which now all time has ceased. The seduction occurs outside of the time and movement of the most very basic physics, and I beckon her to me with a powerful gaze and perhaps as well a slight circular motion of just one finger, and she, overpowered with erotic attraction, comes towards me. I also in turn arise from my bench in the corner and come also towards her as well, until, as in the formal minuet, the women of the fantasy and I both meet together upon the exercise mat at the room's exact center. She, removing the straps of her heavy clothing with a frenzy of sexual mania, while my schoolboy's uniform is removed with a more controlled and amused deliberation, forcing her to wait in agony of erotic needs. To compress the matter, then, there is copulation in varied indistinct positions and ways among the many of their petrified, unseeing figures for whom I have stopped time with my hands of great power. Of course, it is here you may observe this linkage with the program of Bewitched of my childhood sensation. For this additional power within the fantasy to freeze living bodies and hold time in the state exercise facility, which began merely as a logistical contrivance, became swiftly, I think, the primary fuel source of the entire masturbation fantasy. A masturbation fantasy which was, as any onlooker can easily be able to tell, a fantasy much more about power than merely of copulation. By this I am saying that envisioning my own great powers over citizens' wills and motion, over the flowing of time, the frozen obliviousness of witnesses over whether my brother and my mother even may move the robust bodies of which they were so justly proud and vain, soon these formed the true nucleuses of the fantasy's power, and it was unknown to me the fantasies of this power that I was more truly masturbating. I understand this now. In my youth I did not. I knew, as an adolescent, only that the sustaining of this fantasy of overpowering seduction and copulation required some strict logical plausibility. I am saying in order to masturbate successfully, the scene required a rational logic by which copulation with this exercise woman is plausible in the public of the state exercise facility. I was responsible to this logic. Q. This may appear so outlandish, of course, from the perspective of how little logic is envisioning a sickly youth causing sexual desire with only a hand's motion. I have really no answer for this. The hand's supernatural power was perhaps the fantasy's first premise, itself unquestioned, from which all else then must rationally derive and cohere. Here, you must say, I think, first premise. And all must cohere from this, for I was the son of a great figure of state science, 
Thus, if once a logical inconsistency in the fantasy setting occurred to me, it demanded a resolution consistent with the enframing logic of the hand's power, and I was responsible for this. If not, I found myself distracted by nagging thoughts of the inconsistency and was unable to masturbate. This is following for you, hmm? By this I am saying what began only as a childish fantasy of unlimited power became a series of problems, complications, inconsistencies, and the responsibility to erect working, internally consistent solutions to these. It was this responsibility which swiftly expanded to become too insupportable, even within fantasy, to permit me ever to exercise again true power of any type. Hence, placing me in the circumstance which you all see too plainly here. Q. The true problem begins for me in soon recognizing that the state exercise facility is in truth public, open to all those of the post personnel with proper documentation desiring to exercise. Therefore, some persons at any time could with ease drive into the facility in the midst of the hand's seduction, witnessing this copulation amidst a surreal scene of frozen, insensate people. To me, this was not acceptable. Q? Not because of so much anxiety at being caught or exposed, which had been the concerns of Elizabeth Montgomery in the program, but for myself, more because this represents a loose thread in the tapestry of power, which the masturbation fantasy, of course, represented. It seemed ridiculous that I, whose circular hands gestures power over the facility's physics and sexuality was so total, should suffer interruption at the hands of any random military personnel who wanders in from outside wishing to perform calisthenics. This was the first stage indication that the metaphysical powers of my hand were, though supernatural, nevertheless too limited. A yet more serious inconsistency occurred to me soon in the fantasy as well, for the immobile, oblivious personnel of the exercise room when the woman of my choice under my power and myself had now satiated one another and dressed and returned to our two positions across the wide facility from one another, with her recalling now of the interval now only a vague but powerful erotic attraction towards the pale boy reading across the room, which would permit the sexual relation to occur again at whatever future time I would choose. And I then performed the reversed second hand gesture, which permitted time and conscious motion in the facility to again begin. The now resume personnel in the midst of their exercises would, I realize, merely by glancing at their wristwatches, then they would be made aware that an inexplicable amount of time had passed. They would therefore be, in truth, not truly oblivious that something unusual had occurred. For instance, both my brother and our mother wore Pobieda wristwatches. All witnesses were not truly oblivious. This inconsistency was unacceptable in the fantasy's logic of total power, and soon made successful masturbation to envisioning it impossible. Here, you must say distraction, but it was more, yes? Q. Expanding the hen's imagined power to stop all clocks, timepieces, and wristwatches in this room was the initial solution, until the nagging realization occurred that, 
Just at the moment, the room's personnel afterwards left the state exercise facility and re-entered the external flow of the military post outside, and the first glance at some other clock, or, for example, the remontrance of an appointment with a superior for which they were too late, this nevertheless would once again bring them to realize that something strange and inexplicable had taken place, which once again compromised the premise that all are oblivious. This, I naggingly concluded, was the fantasy's most serious inconsistency. Despite my circular gesture and the brief harp which accompanied its power, I had not, as I had naively at our outset believed, caused time's flow to cease and taken myself and the bewitched athletic woman out of time's physics. Trying to masturbate, I was agitated that my fantasy's powers had in reality succeeded only in halting the superficial appearance of time, and then only within the limited arena of the fantasy state exercise facility. It was at this time that the imaginative labor of this fantasy of power became exponentially more difficult. For within the enframing logic of this fantasy's power, I now required this circular hand gesture to halt all time and freeze all personnel upon the entire military post of which the exercise facility was a part. The logic of this need was clear, but also it was incomplete. Q. Excellent. Yes, you see where this is now heading for this logical problem whose circumference will continue expanding as each solution discloses further inconsistencies and further needs for the exercise of my fantasy's power. For, yes, because the posts to which my father's duties to the computers brought us along were in strategic communication with the entire defense apparatus of the state, thus I soon was required to fantasize that only my one single hand's gesture taking place in only one bleak Siberian defense outpost, and for the sake of entrancing the will of merely one female programmer or clerical aide, nevertheless now must accomplish the instantaneous freezing of the entire state to suspend in time and consciousness almost 200 million citizens in the midst of whatever of their actions might happen to intrude upon my imaginations, actions as diverse as peeling an apple, traversing an intersection, mending a boot, interring a child's casket, plotting a trajectory, copulating, removing new milled steel from an industrial forge, and so forth, unending and numerous sip kill. Yes, yes, and because the state itself existed in close ideological and defensive alliance with many neighboring satellite states, and of course also was in communication and trade with countless other of the world's nations, I all too quickly as an adolescent, trying merely to masturbate in private, found out that my single fantasy of unknown seduction outside time required that the very world's entire population itself must be frozen by the single hand's gesture. All of the entire world's timepieces and activities, from the activities of yam farming in Nigeria to those of affluent Westerners purchasing blue jeans and rock and roll, on and on. And you see, of course, yes, not merely all human motion and time measuring, but of course the very movements of the Earth's clouds, oceans and prevailing winds. 
for it is hardly consistent to reanimate the Earth's population to awareness at a resumed time of two o'clock with the tides and weather whose cycles have been scientifically catalogued to an exacting specificity now in conditions corresponding to three o'clock or four. This is what I was meaning in referring to the responsibilities which come with such power, responsibility which the American program of Bewitched had wholly suppressed and neglected during my childish viewing. For this labor of freezing and holding suspended of each element of the natural world of earth which intruded to occur to me as I only am attempting to envision the attractive, athletic, uncontrollable cries of passion beneath me on the worn mat. These labors of imagination were exhausting to me. Episodes of masturbation fantasy, which used to take up only fifteen brief minutes, were now requiring many hours and enormous mental labors. My health, never good, declined in dramatic fashion in this period, so much so, so that I was often bedridden and absent from my schools and from the state exercise facility, which my brother attended with my mother after school period. Also, my brother began at this time to become a competitive power weightlifter in the light division of his age and weight, competitions of lifting which our mother often attended, traveling along with him while my father remained on duty with the targeting program and I in bed in our empty quarters alone for whole days in a row. Most of my time alone in this bed in our room in their absence were increasingly devoted not to masturbating, but in the labor of imagination of constructing a sufficiently motionless and atemporal planet Earth to allow my fantasy merely to take place at all. I do not, in fact, remember now whether the American program's implicit doctrine required the circular hand motion of Elizabeth Montgomery to deanimate the whole of humanity and the natural world outside the suburban home she shared with Darien. But... I vividly do remember that the new, different television performer assumed the role of Darien late in my childhood, near the end of the American program's availability from transmitters in the Aleutian, and my discomfiture, as even a child, at the inconsistency that Elizabeth Montgomery would fail to recognize that her industrialist mate and sexual partner was now altogether a different man. He did not look similar at all, and she remained oblivious. This had caused me some great distress. Of course, also there was the sun. Q? Our sun, up above, overhead, whose seeming movements across the southern horizon was, of course, time's first measure among men. This, too, must be suspended in its apparent movement, as well by the logic of the fantasy which... In reality, this entailed halting the very Earth's own spin. Very well. I recall the moment this further inconsistency occurred to me. In the bed, and the labors and responsibility it implied within the fantasy. Well, too, do I remember this envy I felt of my brutish, unimaginative brother, upon whom the excellent scientific instruction of so many of the post-schools was sheerly wasted, and he would not be in the least overwhelmed by the consequences of realizing this further, that the Earth's rotation was but one part of its temporal movement, 
in that in order not to betray the fantasy's first premise through causing incongruities in the scientifically catalogued measurements of the solar day and synodic period, the Earth's elliptical orbit around the sun must itself be halted by supernatural hands gesture in orbit whose plane I had to my misfortunate learning in childhood include a 23.53 degree angle to the axis of the Earth's own spinning, having well-variant equivalents in the measurement of the synodic period and sidereal period, which require then the rotation and the orbital stopping of all other planets and their satellite bodies in the solar system each of which forced me to interrupt the masturbation fantasy to perform research and calculations based upon the varying planets' different spins and angles with respect to the planes of the own orbits around the sun. This was laborious in that era of only very simple handheld calculators and beyond, for you see where the nightmare is heading for it. Since, yes, the sun itself is in many complex orbits relative to such nearby stars as Sirius and Arcturus, such stars which must now be brought under the hegemony of the hand's circular gesture's power, as did the Milky Way galaxy, upon whose edge the neighboring cluster of stars, which include our own sun, both complexly spin and orbit the many other such clusters, and onward and onward and ever-expanding nightmare of responsibilities and labor. Because, yes, the Milky Way galaxy of itself also orbits the local group of galaxies in counterpoint to the Andromeda galaxy, more than some 200 million light-years distant, an orbit whose halting entails also a halt in the red shift and thus the proven and measured flight of the now-known galaxies from one another in the expanding bloom of expansion of the known universe, with innumerable complications and factors to include in the nightly calculations which kept me from the sleep, my exhaustion cries increasingly out for such as, for example, the fact that the distant galaxies as 3C295 recede at rapid rates, exceeding one-third the speed of light, while far closer in galaxies, including the troublesome NGC 253 galaxy at merely 13 million light years, appeared mathematically to actually be approaching our Milky Way galaxy through its own momentums more rapidly than the larger expansion of the redshift could impel it to recede from us so that now the bed is so awash with the piles of science volumes and journals and sheafs of my calculations that there would be no space for me to masturbate, even if I had been able to do so. And it was when it then dawned upon me, amid an agitated half-sleep in the littered bed, that all of these many months' data and calculations had so stupidly been based upon published astronomic observations from an Earth whose spin, orbit, and sidereal positions were in the naturally unfrozen, ever-changing mode of reality, and that all of it therefore must be recalculated from my fantasies, gestures, theoretical halting of the Earth and neighboring satellites if the seduction and copulation amidst the timeless obliviousness of all citizens were to avoid hopeless inconsistency. It was then I broke down from it. The fantasy's single gesture of one adolescent hand 
had proven to entail an infinitely complex responsibility more befitting of a god than a mere boy. This broke me. It was at this moment I renounced, resigned, became again merely a sickly and unconfident youth. I abdicated at 17 years and 4 months and 8.40344 days, reaching up high with now both of my hands to make the reversing gesture of linked circles which set all of it free once again in the bloom of renunciation that commenced at our bed and opened swiftly out to include all known bodies in motion. I think you have no idea what this cost for me. Delirium confinement of my father's disappointment, but these were as nothing compared to the price and rewards of what I underwent in this time. This American program of bewitched was merely the spark behind this infinite explosion and contraction of creative energy. Deluded, broken, or not broken, but how many other men have felt the power to become a god then renounced it all. This is the theme of my power you say you wish to hear of? Renunciation. How many know the true meaning of it? None of these persons here, I can assure you. Going through their oblivious motions outside of here, crossing streets and peeling apples and copulating thoughtlessly with women they believe they love. What do they know of love? I who am by my choosing a celibate of all eternity, have alone seen love in all its horror and unbounded power. I alone have any right to speak of it. All the rest is merely noise, radiations of a background which is even now retreating always further. It cannot be stopped.